Welcome to the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the Steel City. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. Hi there, my name is Ty Shattuck. I'm the CEO of McMaster Innovation Park. So a lot of people actually, it's the most common question that I have. So what, what is a research park? What do you guys do in all those buildings and stuff like that? So I've actually taken to describing what we do. Um, and remember, we're in an innovation park, so I get to be uh, innovative. And I do it through a Zen riddle. Um, and this is how it goes. And I'm sure you've heard that Zen riddle that goes, if a tree fell in the forest, uh, but there was nobody there to hear it, did it make a noise? So the modern take on it that I use to describe what MIP does relative to the university is if a researcher makes a brilliant discovery, but there's no one there to hear about that discovery, if that discovery doesn't go towards saving a child's life, towards feeding a village, towards making a brighter world, is that discovery really a good idea? And embedded within that riddle, if you unpack it, kind of explains what we do versus the university does. So in spite of being a research park, we aren't actually in the business of, of fundamental research. That's the business of university. What we do as the park is when there's a brilliant discovery, our job is to make sure that the world hears about it. Um, our job is to be a place and an organization where you can find all the resources that can bring that brilliant discovery to, to commercial reality. And so we act as an as a bridge between academia and industry and similarly if there's somebody in industry that wants to take advantage of what exists within academia to support the growth of their company maybe that's talent maybe that's research equipment maybe that's a research partner um, our job is to, to to provide that so MIP is this mid-ground half academic institution half business and our job is to make sure when a tree falls that the world hears about it. So I started my career uh, as an engineer, uh, specifically as an aerospace engineer, uh, but I was actually doing uh, real product design and I, I have a passion for technology. Uh, but over time, uh, my career evolved and I went to the dark side, got into management and investing, and I switched from designing products uh, to designing businesses and investing businesses. And that's where I'd been spending my, my career for the last, uh, well, decades, I suppose. Um, and this opportunity came around. And what I think it represented to me was an opportunity to take the next step. So if you go from product design to business design, now I'm in the business of ecosystem design, creating the environment whereby other people can do the things that I've done through my career. So I think that would be the evolution. What you may not know is that when the park first opened about a dozen years ago, I was a partner in a venture capital firm up in the fourth floor of the atrium building. And so I was literally there when the doors opened and you know there was pounding and banging of walls and stuff like that. It's so so it's, it's been a homecoming, uh, but again, I've gone from engineer to investor to uh, ecosystem designer. So it's a, it's a bit of a homecoming, but it's a great place to be. I think when you look at the evolution of innovation districts and innovation parks throughout the world, these things take, take time to get going. And, and forgive me by the analogy, I like to sail, so I'm going to use the sailing ship analogy. The first phase of every boat's life is actually the construction of, of the boat itself. And then once the boat is constructed, then somebody gets to sail that. 
And what struck me was it had all the framework of, of a great park, but it really hadn't moved from its foundational, you know, building the foundation, the infrastructure towards its strategic purpose. So the park was financially successful, it was up and running, there was people there, but the original vision that the university had some, you know, dozen years ago about Breen being the bridge, it really hadn't achieved that. Um, and so what I saw was all of the ingredients, not to re-envision, but rather all the all the ingredients to go back, dust off, why, why did we create this in the first place? And then let's go focus our energies on that. So what I saw was the opportunity to write the second chapter of the story of this of this journey. Now that the ship was there, where do we get to sail it? And then the question became, what does that look like? You know, what do we have to add along the way? So that that's what I saw. A tremendous potential, tremendous history, but it was it was time to set sails on on the journey. The most important thing to remember is that we're not about our buildings. We are no more about our buildings than a hospital is about its buildings or a school is about its buildings. The buildings are infrastructure. And, and that infrastructure can do a couple things. One, it can enable um, the real things that we're trying to do, which is to bring ideas to, to life. So the facilities are an enabling infrastructure that will enable it. And if we design it properly, it does more than enable it, it acts as a catalyst. Um, and so if you think about, you know, we're using a bunch of analysis, sailing ship analogies, you know, if you think about a road as infrastructure, you know, the story is not about the road, the story is about the vehicles on the road and the people, where are they going and the vehicles that are traveling on the road? That's the most important thing. And so what I think the, the most important thing in the evolution of MIP is to say, how do we leverage the infrastructure, the buildings, the amenities towards why we're really here, which is to help people, innovators and entrepreneurs bring their ideas to life. So MIP is both a place, but we're also a team. Um, historically, the team was focused on property management. We have 700,000 square feet under management, and our job was to make sure that that was tenanted up, uh, that those tenants were pleased, uh, that everything was running uh, tickety-boo. And let me say that continues to be an absolute pillar of, of MIP's operations. But in the theme that we're not just about, you know, keeping the lights on, we've added two more pillars to it. The, the second is park development, and I want to I talk about that. So how do we make the park bigger? How do we make it more diverse? How do we expand it so that the sailing ship is capable of going fast, faster and into more uh, interesting places? And so that's the second pillar uh, of the organization. And then third pillar is ecosystem development, which is how do we leverage that? How do we leverage that towards our strategic purpose? How do we work with our ecosystem partners throughout the park so that we're more effective in bringing ideas to life? And so we've shifted from a product management focus to really a three-legged stool with property management being one, park development being another, and then the third stool is ecosystem development. And so that's, that's been a, a dramatic shift in the thinking. When you look at an ecosystem, there's a couple things that are really important, right? And one is there needs to be critical mass. And so right now, the park 
you know, we have, uh, you know, about 800 people in a non-COVID environment, about 800 people a day come in to work at the park. And that's, that's cool. Um, but that's really not enough critical mass to generate kind of the activity, right? That, you know, that we need to do. And so we need to add to critical mass. The second thing that I would say is you need diversity. To make an ecosystem work, you need diversity. So you need early stage companies and you need mid-market scale-up companies. You need large companies. But you know what? You need techie people combined with venture capitalists, combined with you know, service providers. So you need diversity. Then you have to program it in such a way that those people come together. It's what's referred to as collisions. So collision, the whole notion of a collision is with people with different but complementary skill sets come together. And so when you look at the park, uh, at least where it's where we started a couple years ago, it was it was too small to create the critical mass and it was too homogeneous. And so what we needed to do is make it bigger and in making it bigger we needed to add to the diversity of it. And then with the increased mass, more people and the increased diversity, then let's program so that these collisions are, are maximized. So what does that manifest itself to? When you hear about the master plan, uh, I spoke earlier about the, the design of the facilities, the park can act as an enable and a catalyst. That's what we're trying to do. So we're growing from 700,000 square feet to 2.8 million square feet. We're trying to add necessary infrastructure that is needed. Furthermore, you need diversity. And so what that means is this isn't going to be just a bunch of homogeneous labs. There's going to be two hotels on the site. There's going to be conference centers. There's going to be restaurants, cool coffee shops. And we're putting them in very strategic places so that these, when we get, when we're fully done, it should be about 5,000 people working here, that those 5,000 people are, yes, doing their thing in their individual offices and companies, but they're going to come have their coffee or their lunch or drop their kids off at the daycare or whatever it is, and we're going to locate that so that it increases the likelihood that they're going to bump into other people that are complementary. We're trying to build a community and a culture. And so how do you build a culture? Our hope is that when you're at the park, everybody that you meet will be a fellow innovator. So when you go to the brew pub, that's a fellow entrepreneur that is trying out new things of how to do burgers and beer. When you go to the coffee shop, it's not just a run-of-the-mill place, it's fellow innovators. And when you go to the child care center, it's fellow innovators. They're each innovating in their own domain. And the idea is that if we all have this common theme, hopefully that will start to build a culture of how do we bring ideas to like to life. And that's what we're trying to do is trying to create that. We will never be able to climb the mountain for any one of these in individuals or entrepreneurs. But what we can do is connect them with fellow people with with fellow innovation tribe members um, that can help them along the way and that's what we're trying to do so for me it's really interesting i told you my career went from engineer to business person investor and now i'm in the business of cultural design i never thought i would get there but oh my goodness it's an interesting place to be how does an innovation park then morph into being an innovation district, into an innovation city, into an innovation region, and so on and so forth? That is the real mission. Uh, let, let me be clear that MIP, our, our mission is not to have this island of creativity and innovation surrounded by, I don't know what else, something else. Our, our mission is to be an economic uh, and social driver.
uh, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do good uh, and we're trying to do it in an economically sustainable and environmentally sustainable way. When you look at other innovation parks in other districts in the world, they can be absolutely transformative. When you look, that is what has happened in, let's use Boston as an example. So when people refer to the life science district in Boston, they're actually talking about, they're not actually talking about Boston, they're talking about Cambridge. Cambridge was the heavy industry cousin that sat across, I think it's the Charles River of Boston. But what happened was they had some key ingredients. They had a couple decent schools. If you've heard that that, that area of the world has some pretty decent schools. Um, they took they took advantage of their academic institutions. They took advantage of some entrepreneurial spirit. And they created Cambridge, which is the unparalleled life science um, juggernaut of the world. When you look at other districts, I would look at Manchester in the UK, what you look at Singapore has done, if you look at what's happened in Pittsburgh, life sciences represents both an economic opportunity, but it's an economic opportunity that, that does good. Like the things that life science do is it saves lives. Um, and so I think that when you look within Hamilton, but more importantly, you look within the broader region, what we're trying to promote is what we call the life science corridor, bookended by Mac at one end and U of T at the other end. We have all the ingredients uh, to absolutely create a world-class life science uh, sector all of the ingredients. We have the educational institutes, we have the people, we have the talent, we have the legal support, we have the capital, we can transform it. Right now, I, I actually think it's quite a shame that we have some of the best discovery and research on the planet here in Ontario and in Canada. But what happens is that while we start these companies and we do the research, so many of them have to go to the US or Asia or Europe to continue their growth. To me, that's absolutely akin to Canada shipping raw crude to the US and then buying it back at a premium after it's processed. So as we sit here in, you know, in the midst of, of a health crisis, the largest, most severe health crisis that we've had in, in over 100 years, we have, what we're doing is we're standing in line behind other countries for medical procedures and vaccines that we, we could have invented and have, have helped develop ourselves because we haven't gone beyond discovery. So Canada is well known that in the research and development, we're heavy, heavy on the R and we're really not too good at the development. And so what we're trying to do is move further down that scale to leverage all this amazing research and turn it into an economic engine. And that does a couple things. One, it creates jobs. Number two, it creates economic development so that those people paying jobs or paying taxes and going to school and having better lives. And if we do this properly, it becomes an export engine. So instead of us having to import these bioproducts from other places, why can't we be exporting them? So I've come to believe that life sciences and biotech is actually a renewable resource right here. And we have it. 
it's a renewable resource and I think we should build an economy. And I think it has the same as it done in other jurisdictions, the potential to transform the city and the whole region and become a pillar of economic, uh, economic society. And that's my vision for what we want to do at the park. And it's really not about developing the park. It's about transforming the region and, and, and hopefully the whole country and saving some lives along the way. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.